0: Just out of curiosity, how many of you have heard of the word devotion before? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, can anybody define what a devotion is to me? Can you, can you define a devotion? What is a devotion? There's a couple of ways. The word devotion means to be devoted to something. And we are first called to be devoted to God, committed to Him. But when we use it in a Bible study kind of term, we're actually talking about a quiet time where you get into God's Word specifically. You have a notebook and you you pray and say, God, speak to me. And you read a portion of Scripture and He speaks to you. So here's a definition of what a devotion is. A devotion is a personal quiet time set aside where God communicates to us through the reading uh, of the Bible. That's what a devotional time is. Now, I want to make a point here. Do not be devoted to your devotions. Be devoted to God first and foremost. Because being devoted to your devotions, your devotions is not God. We want to be committed to the Lord first and foremost. And a devotional time is not like this in-depth Bible study where you're discussing the Greek and you're doing cross-references and all these other things and you're busting out commentaries. Devotional time is where you just get alone with God's word in a notebook and you have him speak to you. Now, there are, there's a difference between dev- having devotions and devotional books. There's devotional books like this one. Um, I went through this one a while back. It's a year through the New Testament. Um, it's kind of a thick read, but it was good. There's other devotional books that literally they have one verse at the top. And then they have man's commentary kind of down at the bottom and how it, like, it blessed them and how it can minister to us. Those are good and they have a place. And maybe some of you, how many of you guys actually use the Bible app? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, you version the Bible app? So there's devotionals on there as well that can be very beneficial. And those are good starting places, but those should never replace our personal time with God. You know why? Because sometimes these devotionals are man's kind of version. They've already chewed it over. They've already thought through it. And they're giving to you something that's already have been digested. I think some of the best stuff is when you're going through God's word and there's a verse that sticks out to you and you don't know why. And as you meditate and pray on that, literally the Lord will show you what that means and how it applies to your life. And those verses I hold tightly to. I have several verses written in the front of my Bible. My Bible is falling apart. You can see here different verses that God has spoken to me through that I want to hold on and continue with. And so that's kind of the difference between a devotional and having a devotion. So why? Why should we have a devotion? Or what are the reasons we should have a devotion and spend time with God? First and foremost... You and I are created in the image of God. God wants to have a relationship with us. Angels are not created in the image of God. Animals are not created in the image of God. We are. We get to actually have a relationship with God. And I like that song that we sing where it says, tear down the walls of all my traditions, tear down the walls of all my religions, your way is better. Religion is about working your way to heaven. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's alive. And that's the cool thing. You can't have a relationship with someone that's dead, correct? That's weird. If you're like, oh yeah, I have a relationship with a dead person, you're like, dude, that person's dead. Every other religion, Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, they're all dead in the grave. Jesus died, was in the grave for three days, and resurrected and ascended to the God, the God the Father in the right hand. That means He's alive, and we can have a relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit. We get to have fellowship with Him. Chuck Smith, he said, the word fellowship um, is interesting in the Greek because there is no English equivalent for that word. It can mean communion, It can mean one, but it describes a relationship that goes deeper than the normal human experience or friendship type of relationship. That's the cool thing with God. We get to go deeper with the Lord in a relational type of experience. Now, a devotional is not to know about Jesus. It's to know him personally. You get to know his likes, his dislikes, his heart. His affection, His grace, His mercy, His power, His knowledge, all that He is, you get to know it. I get to know it. And when you like somebody and you want to spend time with them, that's the same thing with God. He wants to spend time with you because He not only likes you, He loves you. He likes you and loves you. And He wants to spend time with us. In this book, Disciples Are Made Not Born, the author said the whole purpose of the devotional life is to see the majesty, his majesty, and become absorbed in his glory. Now, does that mean you're going to get this revelation and all of a sudden, like space is going to open up and you're going to see heaven? No. (laughs) Probably not. To my knowledge, I do not think I've ever had like this crazy vision. I've never seen God himself. I've heard him speak to me through my own thoughts. I've heard him speak through his word to my heart, but it's to get captivated on the Lord, to see him through scripture. Someone else said, you will discover this. The men who have been most heroic for God have been men with the greatest devotional life that applies to women as well. The people who have been used by God in a powerful way got alone with the Lord and His Word, and allowed it to minister to Him. D.L. Moody, one of my favorite uh, kind of old preachers, because he was somebody that wasn't educated, he wasn't uh, trained, but God used him in a powerful way. He said this, when I pray, I talk to God, but when I read the Bible, God is talking to me, and it is more important that God should speak to me than I should speak to Him. I believe. We should know better how to pray through the reading of God's word. What is an army good for if it doesn't know how to use its weapons? This is one of our weapons, and we are in a battle, a spiritual warfare. The word of God is the sword of the spirits. We gotta learn how to use this and wield this, and prayer also is a weapon we ought to use as well. Another reason why we should have quiet time with the Lord, is because Jesus himself spent time alone with God. And if there was anybody throughout all of history that didn't need to spend time with God, it was Jesus, because Jesus was fully God and fully man. Now, you might be thinking, Josh, how can you be full of both things? The Bible teaches it. I accept it. It's a hard truth for me to wrap my mind around. But he was fully God, and he was fully man but he got alone with the Father and spent time with Him. This is a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. It says, The Sovereign Lord has given me His words of wisdom so I may know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, He awakens me and opens my understanding to His will. I like this because I've actually experienced this before in my personal devotional life. There's been times where I work my way through a book of the Bible, And what I read that morning applies to that day. Someone will call the church office and they say, Josh, someone has a biblical question. I'm like, all right, send them through. And I'm like, hey, this is Josh, how can I help you? And like, I have a question. And they tell me their question, and it's on the passage I read that morning. And I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God is orchestrating, and he is sovereign, and he is in control. And so it's amazing how God works. And I can tell you countless times of that happening were literally where I read something that day and it was an encouragement for a person that would call the church. And I said, hey, I read this this morning and they would like almost weep on the phone. God uses his words to instruct us each and every day. Now, I had you guys all turn to Mark chapter one, verse 32. Would you guys follow along with me? It says, at evening, when the sun had set, notice that, when the sun had set, They brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. The whole city was gathered together at the door. And when he had many, then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. I want to pause there for a moment. Jesus here probably is at Peter's house, I believe. And he, word gets out in Capernaum and the surrounding areas that there's this man who can heal your family member of any disease better than any doctor, like instantly heal. If they're demon-possessed, he can cast out the demon. So people are bringing their sick and their loved ones to Jesus. So the sun had just set and there was a line out the door. Jesus is healing people left and right, ministering to one another praying for them, casting out the demons, And I don't know about you, but sometimes ministry is exhausting. When you're serving at the church, and you'll experience this, if you're going to serve at VBS all week, VBS is exhausting. <laughs> it's tiring. There's times where I'll take naps in the afternoon because I'm so tired at VBS. And even ministry sometimes doesn't stop. When I was in New York, we were helping load the band in their trailer till one in the morning loading heavy equipment and by that time we got back it was like 1:30, and we all like knocked out we were exhausted jesus stayed up all night but look at verse 35 now in the morning having risen a long while before daylight he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed jesus stayed up, we don't know how late, maybe he stayed up till one in the morning, maybe he stayed up till 12, maybe two in the morning, but he still got up in the morning before the sun had risen. That means probably like five o'clock or so, he woke up and intentionally sought the Father because he needed that fellowship. And if Jesus needed that fellowship, how much more do we who are sinners saved by grace how many of you guys have ever gone, like, without one meal in that, through a day? Anybody? One, two. Raise your hand. Okay. When you guys missed that one meal, were you guys, like, kind of cranky? No. You weren't cranky? Oh, I was. My family, we created this world called hangry. It's hungry and angry combined. <laughs> it's when you're hungry that you get angry. And sometimes we would kind of joke it around, like, oh, just drink a glass of milk or have a granola bar. Can you imagine going a whole day? Without eating? Has anybody gone a whole day without eating before? Oh, wow, really? I'm hungry right now, man, as I'm talking about food. <laughs> have you guys ever gone a week without eating? Kind of? Okay. You kind of have? Going a week without eating, that's a long time. Maybe you've done it for fasting and spiritual reasons. But most of us would not go without food for that long of time. See, I don't know about you guys, but I love food. Do you guys agree? I love food. Like I love sushi, In-N-Out, pastrami sandwiches. You name it, I like food. And the thought of taking a break from food, I'm just like, oh man, I'm going to be missing out on so many good meals. See, some of us do that with our spiritual life. Many of you don't go a full week without eating you maybe have two meals a day, three meals a day. But spiritually, you only eat once a week and that's on Sunday mornings when God's word is opened. And then when Sunday mornings is done, we close this, put this down and we keep it on our desk, collecting dust until the next Sunday. We come back for one more spiritual meal and we wonder why we get so anxious. We wonder why we are so fearful and intimidated and don't have some confidence, and aren't assured of God's love. It's because we are not in God's Word, seeking Him earnestly. Nobody can really survive off of one meal a week. And the same thing is true for us spiritually. Job said this in Job 23, verse 12. I have not departed from the commandments of your lips. I have treasured them, uh, Treasure the words of his mouth more than my necessity for food. He said, God's word is more valuable, more important than food. That's powerful. And this guy was somebody who lost everything. All of his kids taken from him. All of his money taken from him. And he says, if I have this, this is enough. I'm gonna hold on to this. Now, how long have you guys gone without bathing before? Don't answer that, okay? Do not answer that. I don't wanna know. You guys, as junior hires, you need to be showering daily, wearing deodorant, cologne, all of that, okay? If you don't wear deodorant, start wearing it now. But I'll be honest with you guys. When I was younger in uh, kind of elementary school, junior high, and high school age, all the guys on my mom's side, we would go backpacking in the mountains here for a couple days, I think five days, maybe we did a week one time, and we would hike several miles in, we would have our own bags, bring our own food, we would have a tent, hike five miles in, and camp out. Now, this type of camping, there was no toilets, there was no showers, this was roughing it. If you had to use the restroom, you would dig a hole in the ground and then bury it afterwards. There was no shower, so you would take a shower in the lake pretty much. And sometimes that lake is not warm. It's cold. (laughs) And so you're like, oh, it's cold. And you could only get so clean. We didn't have mirrors. So can you imagine going five days without a shower, like a nice hot shower? And then getting back down the mountain, the first thing we would do is like use the restroom and we would see ourselves in the mirror and we'd be like, dude, we look tore up from the floor up. (laughs) Like, because you didn't see like your beards growing out, like pimples are on your face, all this other stuff. And you're like, man, we look disgusting. (laughs) Most of us would not go one day without showering. But we go many days without getting into God's word. And God's word says it's like water. It cleanses the inner man or the inner woman. From the inside out, it cleanses us. That's what God's Word does. It washes us. It purifies our mind. It purifies our hearts. If you have noticed your thoughts wandering and spiraling down into darkness, and you're thinking about evil things and even sinful things, get into this. Because when you allow your mind to get into this, and that, this gets into your mind, it will change the way you think. It will. That's what God's word promises. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and it takes place to the reading of God's word. Sitting at Jesus' feet is more important than serving him. I've mentioned this story a couple of weeks back in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, where Jesus enters into a certain village, and he's welcomed by these sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, Martha was distracted with much serving, but Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And all of a sudden, Martha gets upset, goes to Jesus, and says, Jesus, tell my sister to help me serve. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are distracted and worried about too many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. In other words, sitting at Jesus' feet is the most important thing you and I can do as believers that you can hear his heart, experience his love. See, the most important part of a tree is the roots, correct? And you can't see the roots. That's why this ministry is called Rooted, taken from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. The most important part about your lives is the part that nobody sees. See, when all of you come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays, we sometimes might be pretending We might put on a smile, and someone might ask you, hey, how's things going? You're good. But on the inside, you're broken. You're hurting. There's things taking place in your heart that you don't even want to be at church. The very thought of God maybe might bother you. You can't hide from the Lord. The Lord sees it all. There's no pretending with God. He sees past the masks. He sees our heart. And he wants to strengthen that part that nobody else sees. He wants to bring healing to that part that nobody else sees and strengthen your inner personal devotional life with the Lord. Now we can gain some tremendous rewards by having a quiet time with God. And if you're taking notes, here are eight benefits of spending time with God and His Word. Eight benefits. Number one, the assurance of salvation. I'm pretty sure every single one of you, because I did this as well, have questioned your salvation. Or if you've maybe raised your hand to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've gone forward, and even after that, you question if you are saved. Because that's what the enemy does, he asks questions. Are you really saved? Would a Christian really do that? But as you dive into God's word, the Lord assures you and says, no, you're my son, God says, you're my daughter. I have loved you, I have washed you, I have sanctified you, I have made you righteous. It is not your good works that lead you to heaven. It's Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross that takes you to heaven. Secondly, it cleanses us from sin. Third, it gives us peace. Fourth, it brings us joy. Fifth, it guides our decisions. Sixth, it helps us in prayer. Seventh, it strengthens us. And eight, it leads to success. Now, I believe all of us want to have joy, right? I believe all of us want to have peace, free from worry, that comes through the reading of God's Word. Another reason why we should um, study God's Word and dive into it, because it answers life's biggest questions. I'm going to move on. We can go back to that slide later on. Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What should I do with my life? Who is God? These big questions, the Bible answers. And as we get into God's word, these answers answers will tend to unfold before our eyes. Some people say devotions are nice, but they're not necessary. That is not true. You and I must make a non-negotiable priority that we will spend time in God's word. And if we don't, we will not experience the abundant life that's in Christ. If you want to experience all that God has for you, it requires us to get in his word. Because when you get into his word, he's going to continually blow your minds. Because God is infinite. So there's an infinite amount of things that we can learn about him. Non-negotiable means we're not going to discuss or modify or change. We're going to spend time with God and His Word. So that's kind of the why. Now, I think we need to talk about how. The practical. How do we get into God's Word? How do we have a devotional time with the Lord exactly? First, we have to choose a time. Choose a specific time to have quiet time with the Lord. What do you think is the best time to spend with God? Anybody? What time is the best time to spend with the Lord? Nothing? Are you raising your hand over here? Yeah. In the morning? Okay. Is there any other good time to spend time with God? anytime okay the bible doesn't give you a specific time it doesn't say 1201 you got to spend time with the lord it's not that specific how many of you are morning people you like waking up early in the morning i do how many of you guys like staying up late raise your hand it's everyone that's falling asleep <laughs> so maybe if you are a night person you can spend time in god's word at night But don't just do it before going to sleep because then you're probably going to be tired and you're not going to give God a quality time. I like to do it in the morning. That's when I personally do it because the Lord instructs me that day. That's where I get filled. And I'll be honest, there are certain days I do not have devotions. Sundays would be one of them. I do not have a devotion on Sunday. And Tuesday on occasion, if I I go to the men's study at uh, 6.30 in the morning, I do not have a devotion. But besides that, for the most part, every day I try to have some time with God in His Word. Sometimes it'll be morning, and sometimes it will be night. Sometimes it's only morning. But I do not want to limit you. Someone said, do it right after school. I was like, yeah, you can. That might not be a bad idea. This is what one guy said, Stephen. He said, I want to hear God's voice before I hear anyone else's in the morning. And his is the last voice I want to hear at night. So he made it his own priority to spend time in God's Word in the morning and at night. Now, when is the worst time to spend time with God? Never? Never? So when we start back up school and you go to school, you're going to be in math class and say, excuse me, teacher, I'm going to spend time in God's Word right now and I'm going to have my devotional life. Dude, she's going to snag that Bible away from you, and you are going to get detention. If you're trying to say, look, I'm trying to do my devotional time during math class because secretly you don't like math, (laughs) that is not a good time to spend with the Lord. When's another good time that we should not spend with the Lord? Science class. That's disrespectful to your teachers and the time that they've prepared for these teachings. You do, not, you do not want to spend time in God's Word when your parents are yelling at you. All of a sudden, you're like, Mom, Dad, can you please be quiet? I'm going to um, go over here and just spend some time in God's Word. They're going to be like, No, we're going to chew you out because you didn't take out the trash like we told you, or something like that. <laughs> you can do it after they're done talking to you, but those are probably not the best time. I think when you're yawning and you're tired and you're on your bed, that is not a good time to do it because then you're going to be like, Okay, let me find a verse really quick. Song of Solomon, all right. And they're just gonna go to sleep. And it's not gonna do anything. So there are bad times to be in God's Word. Should I be doing my devotions as I'm driving? No. Why not? Spotify. Everyone texts and drives. Spotify. I'll be spending time with the Lord. Put it on Spotify. Put it on Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> See, there are bad times. Now, I'm not saying that we should only give God a slice of our time five, ten minutes a day. He wants the whole compass, the whole entire part of our lives. But we need to be intentional with our lives as well. Now, how much time do you think we should spend in our devotions? 14 hours. 14 hours. You are going to spend 14 hours a day in your own devotions? No. Ding! Super holy over here. <laughs> I do a chapter. Okay. But if it's too big, then I'll just do like 10 minutes. Okay, so how much time is that? Uh, like 10. 10 minutes, okay. So 10 minutes. Should we do more than that? Should we do less than that? What's the proper amount of time we should spend? 30. What is that? It's on your spiritual level. I like that. It's wherever you are at spiritually. If you've never got into God's Word... Start out small and say five minutes, then grow it to 10 minutes, and then maybe 15 minutes, and sh- continue that, okay? It's best to build on small things. So try to do five minutes a day. Every single one of us has five minutes a day. Trust me, I, I can find it. If I followed you around for a day, which would be creepy, I will not do that. <laughs> um, I can find a free, uh, free five minutes. Or you can spin with the Lord. That's simple. So practice that. And be consistent. If you need to, put it on your calendar. Make an appointment with the Lord. Put it on a sticky Back. Like, All right, every Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever it may be. Start out small, but then build that. And when you make an appointment with God, keep it. Because if I actually were to ask you, maybe there's a famous person you would love to meet, maybe an artist or an actor, actress, and you're like, oh, if I can only meet him, oh my gosh, my my dreams would be so complete. I know some of you ladies. Um, And if you actually made an appointment and you actually were able to meet with that person next Saturday, you would be there. You would get ready the night before. Yet we don't kind of give God that attention. He created the heavens and the earth. He gives you every single day in the breath of you in your lungs. He is far more important than any other, any other person in the galaxy, in our universe. Don't stand Him up. Look forward to it because God is looking forward to spending time with you. Okay, second practical thing. Choose a location. So choosing the proper time, right? Making sure we don't use a bad time. The amount of time depends upon your own spiritual development and devotional life. But location, where do you think the best spot to spend time with God is at? At church, at church. that's true. I like that. Someone where no one's gonna distract you. Someone where no one's gonna distract you. A kinda, a, a, somewhere that's excluded, right? I like that. In your room, okay? So now, how many guys share a room with siblings? Oh. So that's kind of hard. If you're in your room and you can't get alone, right? Unless you kind of lock them out for some peace and quiet <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I shared a room with my little brother for the majority of my life. I understand you guys. Um, and so, you, you want to get alone with the Lord, wherever that may be. Um, if that could be in your room, then do it in your room. Um, at a desk, preferably. Um, someone mentioned the bathroom wouldn't be a good spot. And I was like, actually, that might not be too bad of a spot because no one's going to really interrupt you in the bathroom, right? (laughs) Um, You're going to be in there and you're going to be chilling or whatever, but um, I wouldn't use that as your devotional spot. Um, There's times I like to mountain bike and I like to uh, ride around my neighborhood. I'll actually ride down to the park to where this bench is and it's kind of like hidden by bushes and I'll have my quiet time there sometimes to just to mix it up with the Lord. Um, and to be intentional, and so as I'm writing there, I'm praying, like Lord God, would you speak to me? And I'll get there and spend some time in His Word. Now, where's a bad spot to have your devotional life? In the middle of a busy park. In the middle of a busy park. That's probably true. I can see that. Where else is a bad spot? At a concert, yeah, that's true. Everyone's rocking out, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to sit right here and just have some quiet time with the Lord. That's weird, guys. Don't do that. (laughs) Okay. So in the middle of the street, that is not a good spot to have a devotional life. Or the freeway, on a roller coaster. There are certain spots where you do not want to spend time, like intentional time with the Lord. We can always spend time with God, but choosing the proper location, um, because Jesus... He actually chose a spot where he got away. And the disciples were constantly looking for him, like, dude, we lost Jesus again. And they would go looking around, and they would finally go to the and like, oh, we found him again. He went to a quiet spot. So we need to be like Jesus. Go to a quiet spot. I would say do not do it on your bed. You know why? Because the bed's comfortable, and you're going to fall asleep. Trust me, I had multiple friends in Bible college. We were studying the Bible. We were listening to Chuck Tracks, and they would just be like on their bed and knock out for an hour. <laughs> If you want to be intentional with your time with God, do not do it on your bed. And then choose a book. So we choose a time, choose a location, and then choose a book. Now, do you think, what, where would you start? John. You would start in John. Who said Genesis? You said Genesis. Does it, do you guys think it matters where we start? You don't think it matters? So if I start in the book of Leviticus where it talks about the laws and how to sacrifice a lamb. Do you think that's a good spot to start? No, no. So then there are good spots and not good spots to start. See, there's a guy, his name's Howard Hendricks, he's passed away, but he got saved when he was younger. And he, he kept, people kept telling him, Howie, you got to get into the Word. you got to get into the Word. He goes, all right, so I got into the Word. You know what he did? He went, he played Bible roulette and went like this and he goes, And he was in Ezekiel, chapter 1. You know what Ezekiel chapter 1 is about? This vision of heaven. And there's these wheels spinning. And it's God's throne. And these wheels have eyeballs all over them. And it's like crazy. And you're just like scratching your head. You're like, what am I reading? And he goes, all right, I'll try another spot. He flipped all the way to the back to the book of Revelation. And he's like, what is this dragon? What is going on? He closed God's Bible and put it down for over six months. It does matter where you start. Can I encourage you, don't start in the Old Testament. The book of Genesis is great, and there are some good books throughout the Old Testament. But if you have not gotten into the New Testament, get into the New Testament. Because the New Testament, the whole entire Old Testament is pointing to the New Testament, the four Gospels. There's four books dedicated to the person of Jesus Christ. Actually, the whole entire book is dedicated to Jesus. But Him coming. And all the epistles in the New Testament are pointing back to that moment. Get into God's Word in the New Testament. Start with the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. If you want to do something a little more easier, go to Philippians or 1 John. 1 John's five chapters. Philippians only four chapters. And if you're not a good reader, the type of Bible sometimes helps. I would not recommend King James Version. King James versions is the vows and the thises and I can't even read that and I'm 31 years old. If you're a bad and terrible reader like me, the NLT is a good translation. The New Living Translation. I use for my personal one New King James because I've grown up using that. But find one that actually works for you. So, and then I want to say this. Don't get halfway through a gospel and be like, all right, I'm bored of this. Let me move into a different book. No, no. Be a finisher. Do not read a book halfway through, and just because you get tired of it, stop. Continue. Press on. Endure. Be patient. The Lord will speak to you. Finish out that book before you move on to another book. That's what I do. I'll read a book, and then I'll finish it, and I'll be like, Lord, what else do you want me to go to? I finished Second Chronicles, and now I'm in Luke. So, how many verses do you think you should read during that time? Is one verse enough? No. Why not? Too short? But it's God's Word. There's a book that says never read one verse. Because when you take one verse, you're taking it out of the context. And you're isolating it which is not healthy. It's good to memorize one verses, but don't just read a verse. You need to read it in the context of what is being talked about. So I would say read a chunk of verses or maybe a half a chapter to start with. That would be good so you could understand. And honestly, the first time reading it through, you might not get it or understand it. So read it a second time. And if you don't get it a second time, read it a third time. Before I read any passages on this pulpit here, I read it five times because I'm a terrible reader. And in order to read it smoothly in front of you, I have to read it personally five times. So, turn with me to Philippians chapter one. We'll use the book of Philippians just as a basis to start. If you were to start having a devotion, start in the book of Philippians. And what you would do is, I would read verses one through eighteen. Split the chapter in half, so that's not way it's not too big and too overwhelming. Verses one through eighteen, you read through that. And here's a couple of things you might need: a basic plan to start with. You need a time, location, and a book. You need a pen. You need a Bible. You need a heart that is seeking after God. Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine, verses. 12 through 13. It says, when you call to me and go and pray to me, I will listen to you. And when you seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. If you have a desire to seek after God, God's put that desire in your heart. If you have a hunger for his word, God's put that desire in your heart because it says there's none that seek after God. No, not one. That is a good thing from the Lord. But it's your job to cultivate that and grow that. I would pray a brief prayer, write down the date, the verses, the section that we're in. I write down my favorite verse, why I liked it, and close in prayer. So it would look like this. Simple. You have the scripture, you got the date, you got a favorite verse, why you liked it, and prayer. That's not complicated, right? Start doing that. Start small, and then you can build on that as you go. Through now, here is I think possibly Monday's devotion for me. This is Luke 17, verses 5 through 10. I only took two pages or took two pages of notes, which is not average. Okay, this day was really good. Teach, I was like, Man, I was getting a lot out of it, it was great. Um, actually, that's what I'm gonna be teaching on Wednesday night. So, um, but then a couple of days ago on this side, I didn't even get a full page in. It's not the amount that you write down that matters, okay? It's did you hear what God wanted you to hear? And are you taking one thing with you throughout the day? That's why I said focus on one verse. If you find one verse that you like and you write it down, then you can take that verse with you throughout the rest of the day. And that's going to help you and encourage you and strengthen you. So, I would say this though. Be aware of unhealthy expectations. Beware of unhealthy expectations. What do I mean by that? Do not be devoted to your devotions in an unhealthy way where you start to condemn yourself when you do not read God's word. God does not condemn you. He convicts. The difference is one brings you closer to Jesus, one pushes you away. Condemnation pushes you away from Christ. God says, I want you to come. Come as you are. There will, there will be times where you hit snooze on your alarm too many times, and you wake up and you're like, I don't have time for devotions this morning. I don't have time to spend with the Lord. Therefore, you're jumping out of bread, you're brushing your teeth, you're getting everything ready because you slept too long. Listen, I've been there. Many people have. You know what? We're all human. Even Pastor David, one time on a Sunday morning... Everyone was wondering where Pastor David was. And all of a sudden, worship ended, and Pastor David was walking out on stage putting his button-up shirt on. He goes, guys, I overslept. This has never happened. It happened to Pastor David on a Sunday morning. He's human, just like you and I. So when you do miss your time with God, don't beat yourself up. Don't let the enemy do it. The Lord still loves you. It doesn't change how much he loves you. There's, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. So, keep that in mind. Now, I want to highly recommend this book here. This book here, With the Word by Warren Wiersbe. I cannot recommend this book enough. It's this one right here. This is fantastic. It is only 17 bucks. This honestly is worth 50 bucks, or in my opinion, $100, because of how good it is. You might be thinking, Josh, I'm not going to read through this. Let me tell you guys, I haven't read through this. This is a reference. If you look on the screen, chapter one is not even one full page. It goes from here to there. That's it. It summarizes the page that you just read. It gives you some bit of historical content that helps you understand it and apply it to your life. I highly recommend this book. I would take a picture of this. I would write this down. If I could, I would buy a copy for all of you and give you one. I give this out to people whose parties I go to, their graduations or whatever, because it is so stinking good. But I don't get into this until I've done my process of reading and writing down. Then I get into this later on. So I would encourage you, pick up one of these copies. And know that as you are seeking God, God is seeking you. God is seeking you more than you are seeking Him. He is pursuing you because He wants to get closer and closer and closer to your heart. Ever since the fall of mankind, that was His desire. In the person of Jesus, He was confined to one location. But now that he sits at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit, who is omnipresent, means he's everywhere all at once. He dwells inside of us as believers, teaching us, speaking to our hearts. And he is there to help you understand God's word. Know that God is seeking you. And he wants to speak to you more than you want to hear him. And that is the goodness of our God. I bet you, all of you have probably heard the voice of God, but you've maybe mistaken it as something else. Say, Lord God, help me to hear, help me to obey, help me to receive and apply your word to my life. And as you guys seek the Lord this week, the leaders will be praying for you and that you guys would encounter the Lord and pursue him and that he would reveal himself to you and that you would continually build that habit into your life.